Well, today we have a very special speaker who's been here only once before. This man, this man has been a mentor, a coach, and friend in my life uh, over the years. He has written over 25 books on leadership and on church helps. He's helped thousands of churches throughout the world. Would you please welcome Dr. Frank Damasio as he delivers part two in our series, The Devil's Worst Nightmare. This is Frank Damasio coming to you with the modern way of communicating. Thank God for digital. Thank God for cameras and microphones, especially during this time. I want to especially bring greetings to Doug and Lois Cotton, the pastors of the Harbor City Church. Uh, They're doing such a fantastic job uh, leading the church through this crisis, leading the church in this atmosphere and environment. Uh, They are excellent leaders, and I know they also have a very excellent leadership team because I've met with that team before, and I've actually spoken to your church before, so I know all about you people. But I want to say that the church around the nation is doing fantastic. And within all of our uh, congregations that we represent with MFI family, there's a number of churches that we're in contact with, all of which are doing a very good job. So I wanna congratulate you as a congregation as you listen to me in your home, wherever your device is, and you're gonna tune in to this message. I want you to understand that we are praying for you, we're standing with you, and we are believing for you in a very, very mighty way. And I'm very proud of you as a congregation and also Doug and Lois as pastors as they move the church through this situation. Let me pray for you this morning uh, before we go to the Word and before we read some scriptures as I deliver the Word into your lap this morning. I want to uh, pray for the congregation and pray for the leadership team. Father, I thank you this morning that uh, you are blessing Harbor City Church. Lord, you are blessing them in a mighty way because they're a mighty church with a great mission and a great vision. Lord, I thank you for Doug and Lois and their pastoral skills and their ability to lead during this time period. They are simply amazing and we build a hedge around them and their health and their families and we pray the blessing of the Lord upon them. Lord, I pray for the leadership team. I pray for every single one of the people that are pulling off the leadership during this time period, the children, the worship, all the small group leaders, all the communicators, all the administrators. Lord, I bless them right now in the name of Jesus, and I believe that this will be a special time. Church will not shrink back. The church will actually expand, and it will see growth during this time. Lord, bless them in the mighty name of Jesus. All right, let's go to the Word. I'm going to um, teach, and if you know me at all, you would know that my style is to give content. So wherever you are in your particular situation, if you want to grab uh, some kind of a uh, notepad and a pen and take down some notes, you might want to do that. If not, just engage and listen and sit back with your cup of coffee and allow me to put the word of the Lord right into your heart. I'm going to talk about Ephesians 4 and verse 27. And this verse has a phrase in it that we're actually going to lock into and I'm going to impart into your life. It says in Ephesians 4.27, give no opportunity to the devil. Different translations say, don't give the enemy any chance 
Don't give the enemy any foothold in your life and don't give the devil a way to defeat you. So we're talking about a scripture written by the Apostle Paul to the Ephesian church. And this scripture has a lot to do with you and me personally. This is a personal scripture for our personal well-being. And if we take this scripture at face value, Paul recognized there was an invisible world. He recognized there was an enemy. He recognized that that enemy would actually try to invade your life and would try to do things that would harm you. So he says, give no, and this is the word that we're after, in this message, we're after the word no. The word no. The name of this message is taking the no position. I know normally the word no is kind of a negative word, but in the context that I'm talking about, it's a positive word for us. This message has an attitude to it. This message has an attitude of no. Usually if your children or someone says no to you, that's kind of a bad thing. But in this message, no is a good thing. No is what we're talking about because the Apostle Paul says, give the enemy no opportunity. Give the devil no chance. Give the devil no advance into your life. That's Paul's word to us. When I talk about no, I mean the empowering of you, the believer. I want to empower you with a sense of faith today, with a sense of faith in how you should be believing what is going on in the Word of God and how the Word of God can help you. I understand we're in a crisis. We're in a very strange time period. We're in a time where so many strange and weird things are taking place. With that, there comes fears and anxieties and uh, obviously the health issue is out there in front of all of us all the time, but it's more than that. It's the environment of fear and anxiety and mistrust and worry and what about the jobs? What about the marketplace? What about the economy now? What about your future? What about your career? What about your kid's school? I mean, there are a hundred and a thousand questions that could be out there on your mind and everybody's mind. And so I'm gonna ask you to kind of move with me into the Word of God and understand that the Word of God is not surprised by a crisis. And the Word of God does not take back a back seat during a crisis. The Word of God is the same, just like Jesus yesterday, today, and forever. And so the Apostle Paul says, remember there's an invisible world. Remember that enemy wants to advance and attack your life. Remember there's something going on more than what you see, more than what you see out there in the realm of the visible there's a realm of the invisible, and in that realm, there are things taking place, and the Apostle Paul says, don't give the enemy a chance. Do not let him have an opportunity to invade your life. So the word no in the concept that I'm bringing means the empowering of the believer to take a stand. I want you to take a stand. I want you to take a stand that says no. As you're sitting by yourself or maybe with your family, can you just say the word no out loud? Just say no. And just, just say it one more time, just no. And, and would you just kind of take your hand, uh, you're, you're listening to me wherever you are, unless you're driving, uh, but at your house, you're listening to me, and I want you to kind of take your hand and draw a line, an invisible line. I want you to draw a line, and I want you to say no. Would you try that with me? Take your hand, just draw the line, and say no. No is drawing a line to the enemy. It's drawing the line that 
you are saying you have no influence. There's no way you're getting in. I have an attitude about this. I'm believing the scripture. And so I'm saying no to the enemy who seeks to uh, surround you. And we'll talk about that. And he seeks to do harmful things in your spirit, soul, and body. You're a three-part being. You're not just a body. You're not just a soul. You're not just a spirit. You're a three-part being. And the enemy seeks to invade any one of those spots he can get into. Wherever he can advance, he's going to try to get into that, and he's going to look for a way. So the word no means uh, an expression of a definite choice, and this is what I'm asking you to do today. I'm wanting you to make a definite choice. The word no is a definite choice, emphatic, with a sense of drawing the line, taking a position, in no way, absolutely not, by no means. I've drawn the line. I've set the marker. That's what we're talking about here. Now, the enemy can push you back into a corner, especially if you've been isolated a little bit and emotionally kind of distraught, and maybe you got too much bad news, and maybe mentally you, you've had some uh, thoughts that are invading you that are certainly not godly thoughts. And so it's time for me to just speak into your heart and spirit today and say to you, take Ephesians 4.27, and take this scripture, mark it up in your Bible, print it out, write it out, and look at what the apostle says. He says, do not give the enemy an opportunity to invade your life. Do not let the enemy have anything to do to influence, occupy in any way your life at any time. And so this takes faith. And we're talking about you having an attitude that you actually kind of Wake up, and I've had to do this on a number of occasions. You know, I'm a cancer survivor, so that journey in itself is a long tunnel you go through, and it's an everyday situation. It's, it's not one of those things you prayed, unless some people they have prayed and got healed didn't have to go through it, but I used doctors and God and the Word and the Holy Spirit and prayer and healing, and, and I got through it. But, you know, it was many days. It was nine months of treatment. It was a lot of negative atmosphere and death everywhere around you. And, and so that's what happens when you're in a bad situation. It's an atmosphere. It's an environment. And I know what it's like to have to fight back and hold your ground stand your ground. I can remember very specifically having to talk to myself, talk to myself and say, whatever you're thinking, unless it aligns with the word of God, is not true. And so I had to talk my way through it by claiming the word of God in my life. I call that a faith declaration. Let me define this for a moment because I think it's very important that you have a word of faith in your mouth. A faith declaration is made when our heart and our mouth agree together and we speak God's word. Now, God's word is the only thing that's true. Everything else has to align to that or it's untrue or even so much the Bible says a lie. And so the devil is the father of lies. That's how he deals with people. He lies to you all the time about your self-worth, about your future, about your prayers, about everything. He lies. That's how he invades a person's mind and emotion. So a declaration of faith is for you right now, wherever you are, is to take Ephesians 4.27 and what I'm saying to you as kind of a father in the faith or a teacher who's been doing this for several decades and a person who has seen a lot of things come and go, I'm saying to you that God is faithful, God is good, and God is able. And a faith declaration is when I make my mouth and my heart align together and I speak the word of God. 
Deuteronomy 30, verse 14, but the word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. And this is a, a, a wonderful scripture because the word is very near you. It has the idea that the word is just right above your head and you could just kind of reach up and take it and just bring it right down near you. The, the atmosphere of the Word of God, the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit is right there and you can just reach up and you can just bring it down right into your heart because the Word of God is near you. Matthew 12, 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So my heart has to be filled with the Word of God and the Word of God, Joshua 1, 8, the book of law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall what? Meditate upon it day and night. And then what will happen? It says in my Bible, your Bible, our Bible, you'll have good success. Amos 3 and verse 3, can two walk together unless they are agreed? The answer is no. You can't walk with God unless you agree with God. You can't walk with the Word of God unless you agree with the Word of God. And when you, you agree with the Word of God, things begin to happen in your life and you start filling your mouth with that Word and that faith declaration is made when we believe and declare and stand upon what? The absolute faithfulness of God's Word which points toward the faithfulness of God's character. God is good. God is just. God is wise. God is able. God is never caught by surprise. You've been elected. You've been predestined. God has a will for you. God purposes for you. God is working on your behalf. That's what the Bible says. And so the devil would like to come in and fill your mind with you don't have a purpose. Things are going to work out. You're not going to keep your job. Your business is going to fall apart. You'll never have the school you wanted. Everything's going to change. The whole world is falling apart. That's what the devil would like us to believe. The whole world is falling apart. And the government is that in a divisive way. So the whole government's falling apart and doctors can't agree. All the things that's happened, I want you to know that God hasn't changed. He's the same. God's word is the same and God is faithful. A faith declaration fixes the landmarks of my life by enlarging my inner man with the declaration of what the word of God is. Now this is what you're actually saying no to. I'm going to list these out. Take down whatever ones you want. But when we talk about saying no, number one, we're saying no to his footholds. No to his footholds. Now if you've been around the word of God at all, you remember that it says give the place uh, give no place to the devil and don't let him have a foothold in your life. People use that a lot. People pray it. I've heard it. Uh, pray it corporately together. You know, uh, I, I pray that the devil will not have a foothold in your life. So we pray that. But remember this. The foothold starts with a heart hold. It moves to the mind hold. It goes to the emotions hold. It goes to the confessions hold. It goes to a lot of other holds before it gets to a stronghold. A foothold does not start as a stronghold. It moves to a stronghold. And so the enemy is trying to move you to a place of stronghold. He wants that 2 Corinthians 10 thing. He wants to have a stronghold in your mind, your will, your emotion. And so what does Paul say? Don't allow him a position called a foothold. The beginning of where you step where you stand, what you believe is your footing. The footing that you have in your life is the Word of God, your confession, the Holy Spirit. And so you don't give way to anything that would remove your foot from the Word of God and from your position in Christ. Paul says, give the place that you need to the Word of God. Do not let the devil have that place. That's a foothold that will turn into a stronghold. Remember this, 
The devil never stops with a foot. He moves to take possession of your heart, your mind, your will, your emotions, your decisions, your finance, your relationships. He never stops. He always keeps moving. So you're going to say no to the footholds of the devil. Number two, you're going to say no to the invasions of the devil. James 4 verse 7, submit to God, resist, resist, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded. What's he saying here? Don't allow any of those impurities, any of those things that would allow the invasion, the oncoming uh, movement of the enemy towards your life to try to take possession of certain eye areas of your life. There's a scripture in the book of Acts. Uh, again, I prayed this scripture over many people and over myself many times, Acts 10, 38, where it says how God anointed Jesus. We understand that. God anointed Jesus. He was a miracle worker. He was a preacher. He was our Savior. God anointed Jesus. But it says in Acts 10, 38, he anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, Acts 10, 38, who went about doing good. So Jesus went about doing good. Healing, healing, but it's specific here. I mean, the writer, who is Dr. Luke of the book of Acts, the writer could have said many things. But he says he went about healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Oppression. Oppression is to push down. Oppression is to bring depression, bondage. Oppression has something to do with a mindset. Oppression is what we would call depression or anxiety disorders or many of those things that cause people to act wrong, think wrong, and do wrong. Jesus was so involved with people that when he found someone that was oppressed of the devil, he set them free. If you're listening to me right now and you're oppressed, pushed down, got some surrounders around your head and your heart, and you sense that you've been under it, and there's a ungodly burden on top of you, I'm saying to you today, this teaching should bring you a James 4, 7, submit to God, resist the devil. And the Bible says he will flee from you. And I'm saying to you today, the devil's going to flee from you. The devil has no right to you. The devil has no power over you. The devil is a liar. He's a thief. And we're giving no room for him to move upon us as believers who have an answer for this generation and for this culture and for this crisis. We're not going to give in to worry and fear and negative thinking. We're not going to give in to negative confession. We are going to resist the devil and the devil is going to have to flee from us. We're going to draw near to God and God's going to draw near to us. Number three, say no to his weapons. Isaiah 54, verse 17. Now listen carefully to Isaiah 54, 17. We're saying no to his footholds, no to his invasions, and no to his weapons. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Now, now listen to this. It doesn't say the weapons won't be made. It doesn't say there won't be any weapons. It says no weapon formed against you will prosper. Okay, the devil's creating weapons against you right now. 
The devil's coming after you with everything he can that he knows will cause you to have bondage or failure, whatever it might be. But I'm saying to you, your confession is in the word of God and the Holy Spirit. And Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against me shall prosper and every tongue which rises against me will be taken down. All condemnation will be removed. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. So the plans that he has devised, the, the things that he's trying to form right now, he's, he's trying to take your past and your present responses and some of your mind holds, strongholds, and some of the other things, maybe a few bad decisions and maybe a few uh, mess ups, maybe some failures. He tries to take all these things and then he puts them together to form a weapon. And when he gets that formation done, where he can affect your spirit, your soul, your mind, he can affect every part of you, then he'll use that weapon against you to bring you to failure. And the Bible says no weapon formed against you. Anything he's forming against you is not going to work. Number four, I want you to say no to his intimidations. Isaiah 59 and verse 19, Isaiah 59, 19. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west, his glory from the rising of the sun. And listen to Isaiah 59, 19. It says, when, when, not if, when the enemy comes in, because he will. The enemy will always attack. He'll always form weapons. He'll always be against you. He always uses the same old stuff, guilt and fear and anxiety and worry. And uh, he, he, he uses the same weapons since the beginning of time, from Adam and Eve right up through the present. It's the same weapons. So when the enemy comes in like a flood, and his flood is his wickedness, comes in like a flood, because we know from Matthew 7, 37, you know, remember the house that Jesus talks about the parable, and Jesus says, two men are building, and then it says, and the floods came, the wind blew, the rains came, on both houses, wicked and say, both houses get the same thing. Both had floods, winds, and rain. One house didn't fall. And so when the enemy comes in like a flood, what happens? It says in Isaiah 59, verse 19, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard. Another translation says the adversary will come like a river, like a great overflowing stream, but the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against all opposition and he will be defeated and swept away. So my word to you today is that you take these no footholds, no invasions, no weapons, and no intimidations. Even though the enemy comes in like a flood, I want you to take this to your heart today, and I want you to take it into your spirit that you are called, you're predestined for victory. There's something God has put on you. And number five, I want you to say no to his snares. Whatever snares he tries to bring upon you, 2 Timothy 2.26, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil haven't been taken captive by him to do his will. I want you to believe with me that all the snares that have been set for you, and those snares can be numerous and we could describe them, but a snare signifies something that the catcher sets for you to catch. A man walks 
into a snare unknowingly. That's why it's a snare. He can't see it. It's a hunting word. And the enemy has set snares for you. The fear of man brings snares. And those snares bring upon you those things that will torment you and cause you to have uh, the bondage that the enemy wants you to have. But I'm saying to you, 2 Timothy 2.26, that they may come to their senses and escape. And escape the snare of the devil. Say it out loud or say it in your heart right now. I have escaped. I have escaped the snare of the devil. Psalms 124 verse 7. Our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Okay? We have come up against the works of the enemy, but we are not going to be defeated. Through this crisis, through any of the thought pattern, through the bondages, through the fears and the worries and everything else that would like to come upon you and your household, you and your mind, you and your future, I'm saying to you right now, that simply is called in the Bible a snare. It's also called in the Bible, Ephesians 6 and verse 11, stand against, and this is a kind of an old English word, you might not even recognize it or remember it's in the Bible, but it's in the Bible. In Ephesians 6, 11, it says, stand against the wiles, W-I-L-E-S, stand against the wiles of the devil. What is he talking about, the wiles of the devil? Have you ever heard that term? Uh, you know, someone praying for you and that the wiles of the devil would not work for you. Well, it's a Greek word that's used here, and the old English translators translated for different reasons, but the actual Greek word is methodia. Do you hear the English word in that? Methodia, methods, methodology. The word wiles means to follow up and investigate someone so that you can use the right methods. It means that you investigate someone so you can settle on a plan, that you can craftedly trick them, scheme them, and that's what the devil does. You know the devil studies you. He has enough demons to take notes and do their little school on you, and, and the enemy actually studies you. He investigates you. And he tries to determine which of his weapons will work on you as he investigates how you respond. So if he sees you responding in unbelief a lot, he starts understanding this person has a weakness in trust and faith. If you start responding to life with a critical spirit or hard-heartedness, he starts taking notes on that and says, this person has a crack in the foundation. There's something going on in their mind. What is that? He investigates people so that he can come up with his methods so that he can investigate them and that he can lay a, what, a snare for them and he can bring them into bondage. Don't allow the enemy to use his wiles on you, his snares on you. Take this as a word, Psalms 124.7, escape from the snares of the devil. Number six, it says no to his devouring. This is what it says about the devil in your Bible. First Peter 5, 8, 9, be well balanced, temperate, sober, of mind, be vigilant, cautious at all times. Why? Why does the Bible say be vigilant, cautious at all times? This is why. For the enemy of yours, I didn't make this up. This is not a Frank DiMaggio novel or something. This is not a, you know, something I just want to 
uh, talk about because I think it's interesting. It's in the Bible, and the Bible being true, and the Bible understanding the invisible realm, the invisible world, and the Bible understands the nature of the devil. The Bible says the devil roams around like a lion roaring with fierce hunger. Why? Seeking someone to seize upon and devour them. Withstand him. Be firm in faith, rooted, established, strong, and movable. Do not allow the devil to devour, because he will. He'll devour everything about your life, everything about your future. He, he, he has a hunger for you. Every person he can destroy satisfies a little bit of his hunger. And so he goes about with that ferocious hunger to devour you and destroy you. Be cautious, be aware. Now, he, he doesn't have the power to because you have the word of God, the spirit of God, the blood of Christ, the cross of Christ. You have Jesus. And in Jesus, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And so he's not going to be able to overcome you. And so we are going to, Malachi 3.11, rebuke the devourer. Number seven, say no to his advantage, him taking advantage over you. Second Corinthians 2 at verse 11. Again, this is a scripture that gives you some idea about the devil. Second Corinthians 2 11, lest Satan should be that person that takes advantage of you. We're not ignorant of his devices. Now we're saying today that we are drawn a line. We're saying today, no to the devil. We're saying today we've set a marker. We built a fence. We said in this whole message, the greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So in the midst of all this, in the midst of all the problems, in the midst of all the stuff that's going on, we have a sure foundation. We have Christ, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, and we are more than overcomers, saying no to the enemy. Pick up your faith confession starting right now and let that become your direction for the next while of your life. Let this word sink in and be an overcomer, be victorious. Why? Because we have the gospel, we have the message, and the whole world needs to hear a word of faith. I want to pray for you right now wherever you are, whatever you're doing, if you could just stop, pause, whatever, and just allow me to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you right now before I turn it back to your pastor. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus right now that you will come upon these people in a mighty way. And Lord, you will actually touch them in their mind, their heart, their emotions. Lord, today we break the snare of the devil off of people. Lord, today... We close the door to his advances. Lord, today we expose his works and his ways. We are encouraged. Our head is lifted up. We're not surrounded by the bad that the enemy would bring in. We're surrounded by the good of our testimony, the good of our confession, the goodness of God, and God is doing good things. Let today be a turning point point for many people. Let it, let it be the, the time in their life where they can feel the rudder shift. They can feel their sails shift. They can feel something go on in their life that would shift their attitude and their spirit. Lord, we bless these people today in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to turn it back to your pastor and he's going to have some words for you right now. 
Well, we just heard a tremendous word by Pastor Frank Damasio and how to overcome the enemy in our lives and be the devil's worst nightmare. Today, the first way to do that is to close doors uh, against our enemy and not give him any room in our lives. The way to do that is to first of all, make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. If you've never done that, you're not listening to this message or part of this sermon today or this service today by accident. So I wanna invite you to ask Christ into your life. This is how you do it. You simply believe in your heart, you confess it with your mouth, and Jesus becomes your Lord and Savior. I'm gonna invite you to say a prayer with me, and as you do that, you do it by faith. It's not a formula. Say this with me. Father God, thank you for loving me so much that you gave your only son to die in my place. His name is Jesus. So Jesus, I invite you into my life, into my heart, and I ask you to forgive me of all my sins, all my mistakes, and all my failures. Come into my life and be my savior, my Lord, my boss, my friend, and my king. And by your grace and by your power, I will serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you did that, just let us know. Interact with us. Let us know. I ask Christ in my life today. Don't be worried about what anybody else thinks or sees. Or you can also just text the number that comes on the screen. But whatever it takes for you to take a stand for Jesus, because Jesus said this, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. If you deny me before men, then I'll deny you before my Father. So it takes guts to be a Christian. Just confess him and let everyone know, today I gave my life to Christ. And we'll follow up and help you begin to grow in God. God bless you. God will help you in every way possible, and we will too. Till next week, see you then.